October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. We've decided today on October 15th, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day, to re-air an episode that we recorded last year with our friend Christine McDonough. You know her as Infertility Illustrated. We thought we'd re-air this episode of the podcast for any new listeners or old listeners who may take comfort in hearing it again, just to remind all of you that you are not alone. Many of us have walked this road, myself included, and we know that this is hard, and we hope we're doing our part to bring you some comfort in such a really hard and difficult time. This is a day of remembrance and a way to honor pregnancy loss and infant death. One way that this day is observed is with a remembrance ceremony called the Wave of Light. This evening at 7 p.m. in your respective time zone, join us, join families, friends, loved ones, and supporters from across the globe for the Wave of Light in memory of all children who have passed away in pregnancy, birth, and infancy. And you can further spread your support by taking a photo of your candle and tagging us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. And we're planning a digital wave of light uh, tonight at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And now here are some words from Dr. Laura Shaheen about her Not Broken campaign. Hi, Infertile Mafia. This is Dr. Laura Shaheen from Pacific Northwest Fertility in Seattle. And I am here today to make sure that you know that October is Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. And a part of that is a campaign that I've started on Instagram and a couple other of social media outlets like Twitter and Facebook. It's a not broken campaign. So what this is, is I'm trying to increase awareness of how common miscarriage, uh, pregnancy loss, and stillbirth are, and try in every way that I can to educate and support couples that have had miscarriage. I want to make sure that they know they are not alone and that they are not broken. And so please take a listen to this podcast, um, reach out, share your story, um, and help shatter the stigma and break the cycle of shame around miscarriage with your own post and use the hashtag not broken. Please tag me at Dr. Laura Shaheen and I will share your post and um, help spread awareness and compassion. Mafia. That's not Sarah over there. That's Christine. <laughs> and that's Kayla. And today we're talking about miscarriage and pregnancy loss. Yeah, I've got Christine here with me today from Infertility Illustrated. How are you doing? I'm good. This is a, a very deep subject yeah. and I'm honored to be uh, your guest host today. <laughs> yeah, thank you for guest hosting. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Yeah. So it's October, so we're talking about it. Um, but And I think today, instead of talking about the sadness of miscarriage, which obviously that's going to come out because it's a sad thing, 
but we wanted to share ways that you guys cope with it, some positive things that have come from it, that sort of thing. Um, you know, maybe if someone's like struggling, this might, hearing what other people have done might uplift you, that kind of thing. So that's our goal in the podcast today. Like I said, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month is happens for the entire month of October. And uh, it's been happening since 1988 when President Ronald Reagan designated the month of October as Pregnancy and Infant Awareness Loss Awareness Month. Um, so President Reagan, he was also the one who made the PCOS Day. He did? Yeah. Reagan, Does he have, just... like, personal connections <laughs> to know. it? I don't know. Maybe someone in his cabinet? I don't know. Oh, maybe. This might be, this might be a good di- deep dive to do on How many good old Ron. kids did he have? I don't know. Or does he have? Well, not does. I don't know. But they must Let's call up alive. Nancy and find out. <laughs> She's know. not living anymore. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Rest in peace, Reagans. But that's interesting. Yeah. At my... This is a random story, but... At my acupuncturist in uh, Virginia, he had a giant portrait of Ronald Reagan riding a horse (laughs) in his acupuncture studio, which seemed really out of character because, you know, it's acupuncture is uh, Chinese medicine and it's everything's there's Chinese things everywhere. And then there's this big portrait, Ronald Reagan riding the horse. Maybe this is why. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Ronald Reagan doesn't get the credit in the world of, like, holistic (laughs) medicine and fertility that he deserves. I don't know. I mean, you are in Virginia, so maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he just liked Ronald Reagan. Maybe Maybe he didn't know who he was. (laughs) Maybe. There's a stock photo. This this guy on a horse looks good. (laughs) Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What does that have to do with acupuncture? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, don't know. so um, so he designated the month, but then um, later, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day became a thing, and it was observed much later. And since 2006, it's now recognized in all 50 states and Canada. And it is on October 15th every year now. And other countries are now starting to kind of jump on the bandwagon, too. United Kingdom, Italy, some parts of Australia. And this day focuses on raising public awareness about pregnancy loss and infant death. And that includes all types of things like miscarriage, stillbirth, sudden infant death syndrome, or the death of a newborn. So it covers a lot, a lot of us. And this is one way we can all participate in a remembrance ceremony so the kind of the thing other than like the social media aspect of it is to light a candle it's called the international wave of light oh cool and you light a candle at 7 p.m in your respective time zone on october 15th on october 15th cool let it burn for an hour and if you just, like, can picture all of these families across the world lighting a candle at 7 o'clock and just kind of this wave going around the world for all these little angel babies. That's so nice. It'd be cool to do those Chinese lantern things. Yeah. I've always wanted to do one of those where you light That'd the candle cool. and it floats up. What do you think happens to those? 
I don't know. I always want to, and I've never seen one done in person. <laughs> like you're lighting something on fire and then sending and it. And it's p- paper. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds kind of dangerous. It, but it like, it looks cool it at least looks in very cool. videos and movies <laughs> that I've seen it done. <laughs> it looks very cool. But I like the idea of it. I wonder if anyone's doing that somewhere. That would be cool. Yeah. Do that. We'll do it. I'm going to light a candle at 7 o'clock. We can o'clock. send it over the Chicago River. There we go. <laughs> Me, just the two of us with our lanterns, and then we'll get arrested. I don't know. How, we'll have to figure out. We'll Google some instructions how to make we'll one of those. We'll do something. <laughs> DIY paper. <laughs> this is not going to end well. You see us on the news. Yeah, now you know why. <laughs> on October 15th. <laughs> um, so that's the deal with Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And, of course, since it's October, we want to be talking about it because so many women in the infertility community are affected by miscarriage or stillbirth um, or the death of a newborn. And so we want to talk about it. So what we really want to do is share your emails and your comments about ways that you coped with miscarriage or loss. You guys were amazing at with just how much you shared with us and I'm not gonna get sappy (laughs) I hope I'm not gonna get sappy I just felt so overwhelmed by your bravery in sharing and and I hope that it was helpful for some of you to share I want everyone to know like even if we don't read every single thing that you wrote I read every single word and I felt your pain and and your joy in some of it and I really appreciate you sharing with us and with all of the listeners. So before we go any further, I just want to get that out there. Okay, so Ruth said, I made over 1,000 paper cranes and then posted about it in April. I started doing it with the paperwork for my first loss pregnancy and just kept going. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. Like using the, Mm -hmm. the documents and the work from that. Yeah. Which is cool because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have stacks and stacks of, like, yeah. paperwork from the doctor. And bills. And bills. And I don't know what to, it's there. I still have them. I should just throw them away. I don't but, How do you make, I mean, I know it's origami. I don't know how to make yeah. a paper crane. But that would be really cool. And it sounds like she just made one and then she just kept going with it. And I'm sure it became, like, a cathartic thing. Yeah. You know? That's such a nice, it's like something tangible mm-hmm. to do with your hands. I like that. I do too. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Melissa says, and she suffered recurrent pregnancy loss. Um, a friend had a baby on her due date, so that's been super hard. She had to unfollow her or keep making comparisons about how, how old the baby would be, etc. But basically, she says, I have a really good therapist, and it kind of helps that only my partner and a small handful of very close friends knew or even know were trying. So the point I'm driving home by reading that is the good therapist. (laughs) If you're really struggling, go talk to a therapist, really. Yeah. Because they can really help you work through some of this stuff, you know. So, Courtney. Courtney said, once we started taking productive steps toward my next cycle... I felt like at least my rainbow was coming. It didn't make the loss less painful, but it gave me something to look forward to still. So it's like, chan- I guess, channeling your yeah. 
your frustration or the loss into another cycle. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I can get behind it's, that. Yeah. In fact, that was like, I I don't think that, I, I didn't think of that as a way of coping, but I definitely did that. After my miscarriage, I was like, okay, what do we do next? When can yeah. I get back on the horse? Yeah, I was sort of fired up. I want to, I'm ready to do this now immediately. I hear you, Courtney. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Kendall, who also had recurrent pregnancy loss, I think she had three. Um, she says, we have a statue at a nearby park that is there for all angel babies and children. That's so cool. Um, I made it a point to go on due dates this year, leave flowers, and have a moment to cry. I also plan to get stackable rings, one with my son's name, one with three hearts for my three angels, and one with this baby's name. So she's pregnant right now. Oh, yeah. So that's that's neat. Yeah. All all about the tangible things that you can... It's nice. It's nice. I mean, you've got to do something to remember it. Right. You do. Um, and that's so cool that the the park has something specifically for children or babies that have passed away. Like, that's... Yeah. At first, I thought she put something in the park for that. But, no, just the fact that that exists yeah. independently, that's kind of awesome. That's great. There should be more things like that. I agree. Uh, Leslie says... One of my husband's family members had also just gone through a miscarriage, and she got me a necklace with an opal, the October birthstone, and my due date. I wear it every day. If we didn't live in a house that we intend to soon turn into a rental, I'd plant some lovely flowers or trees to commemorate each baby I've lost. Yeah. I love the necklace idea. Bill got me a necklace for Christmas that year after our miscarriage and I don't wear it every day but I I mean I do wear it and when I see it I think of, it has sentimental yeah, value. Yeah, of course. And the planting flowers or trees reminds me of Have you seen the help the movie? Yeah, a while ago. <laughs> I think we talked about it in our infertility in Hollywood episode. But anyway, it reminds me of the character that went through all these miscarriages and every single one she'd go out there and plant a tree. I don't even remember it. that from the book. Yeah. Um, but I think that's nice, like, the yeah. idea of something growing. Exactly. Like and kind life. of that, like, even rebirth every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that, too, Leslie. Um, Madison says, well, to be honest, on the due date of my baby, I drank almost two bottles of wine. Oh, bless your heart. Yikes. I like that. Hang over. <laughs> Oh, Maybe man. not if it's good wine. Maybe not. <laughs> you get the right stuff. Did no you, hangover. Did you have dinner with it? <laughs> so she says, once I started, I couldn't stop. I didn't want to feel the pain I was having. And then she talks about how she smashed the bottles and she was mean to her husband and she woke up in a, you know, with the worst hangover. <laughs> oh, no. She went on to describe sort of the aftermath, which is not, you know, it's not pretty. But we've all been there. So she says the next afternoon, she apologized to her husband and shamefully swept up the glass. And then we decided to sponsor a child in Africa with the same birthday. And I thought that was beautiful. That's amazing. I love that. I do too. I really love that. Yeah, that's great. I wonder how often, like, I wonder how much of, like, updates she gets you know, like, I'm yeah. just curious. I want to know, Madison, tell us about this. Tell us more. That's such a good idea, though. That's a great idea. With the same birthday. I love that. That's really sweet. That is really sweet. That's so nice. 
uh, Kesha, Keisha, I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Um, Keisha said, I started to journal. And by journal, she means <laughs> I wrote down how I was feeling, then threw it away because I couldn't bear letting even my husband see it. But I wanted to get something to make sure I never forget our babies. I ended up getting a tattoo. Not everyone knows what the tattoo stands for or the meaning behind it, but it has helped me cope. My biggest fear was forgetting. Uh. I am on board with the, well, the journal and the tattoo. Mm. I've, I mean, I did, I've done the journal and I want to do the tattoo. I support that. She, she also included a picture of the tattoo. In, not here, but it's in the Facebook group. Christine's like, where? <laughs> what is the, what is the tattoo? It's she a, doesn't say. I think it's a little elephant, if I'm remembering. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, it's, it's oh, I really love that. cute. It's really cute. It's really cute. That um, is really sweet yeah. and really sentimental. Yeah. And she's not the only one. We have some other tattoo stories coming. But, I man, it struck me hard when I read It Has Helped Me Cope. My biggest fear was forgetting that, like... I don't know. I I just I relate to that, especially. What am I? Four years out from a miscarriage. It'll be four years this month, and I miscarried in October. And it's not that. I mean, you never forget, but sometimes you almost feel guilty that you're not as sad about it or something. I don't yeah. Know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I mean, you. At the same time, you, that just it's a good sign because it means right. you've healed and you're right. moving moving forward too. Right. So you haven't yeah. forgotten. You're oh, just no. yeah, right. So you've th- just healed. That's the th- that's the thing about having something tangible is it's that reminder of that of the the thing that you lost. So I like that. Um, Nicole says coping mechanisms: sobbing, lots of ugly cries, with screaming at times. Yep. I get that. Mm-hmm. This is bad, but I found comfort in food. Wine, definitely wine. I researched how often this happens and found that miscarriage are way more common than I thought, which made me sad for all families going through it. We adopted a second dog five months after the miscarriage. How I honor my loss is that I vowed to be available to anyone who wants to talk about it, which is great. That's a great way to honor your loss, to be like an open book about it. Yeah, and to be there so people don't, other people don't have to feel so alone. I love that she adopted a second dog. Yeah. I think that's, that's really nice. Our fur babies. We all know fur babies are good in times of strife. And I mean, at least for me, if you don't have children, they are your children. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a nice way to kind of channel that love right. into an, another being. Right. Aww. I like that. I do too. Uh, Heather, another recurrent pregnancy loss, uh, said the estimated due date for my first angel is October 15th on Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. So that's, so this year. Um, that must be really hard. To me, this was a calling to fight for women who have uh, recurrent pregnancy loss and to document my journey publicly. I opened up my story on Mother's Day to honor all mothers, all moms. The support I've gained from going public has truly helped me cope, and I feel like I'm clearing up so many misconceptions along the way. 
Being a part of the bigger picture with breaking the stigma has truly been a game changer for me, and I feel like I've gained so many new friendships and bonds in this community. That's awesome, Heather. I like that she said that the due date, since it was October 15th, she, like, she thought of that as like a calling. Like, yeah. I must need to do something with this. <laughs> it yeah. is. I mean, it's it's kind of a coincidence that has to, you know, has to mean something. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then Stephanie says, after her fourth loss, she started going to an infertility support group. But I'm the only one who has had a miscarriage, and I feel out of place sometimes. They feel bad for me and downplay their own pain because they think it can't compare to mine. These were statements made. I'm not making assumptions here. A part of me feels even my infertility support group wouldn't be an appropriate place to seek support if I had another miscarriage. Yeah, it's really hard if you're the only one in the room who has had a particular experience. I don't know. Do you feel that maybe it's it's difficult for some people who've struggled with infertility but haven't had a miscarriage per se mm-hmm. to relate to those who've also struggled with infertility but also have had a miscarriage? Yeah, I mean, they can't be completely empathetic, but they can certainly be sympathetic and and understand how painful it is. I So we're going to get to Mandy in a second, but for all of these women who have suffered recurrent pregnancy loss, I feel like that crowd is kind of like an unsung crowd in the infertility community because they can get pregnant. They just can't stay pregnant. And so they sort of feel like they're in this weird limbo because they don't quite belong to people who can't conceive, and but they don't belong to, like, quote, normal women who can just get pregnant. They're in this weird limbo. And we talked about this specific issue when I did my interview with Mandy. This was one of our earliest episodes. It's called Recurrent Pregnancy Loss. So if anyone's in that situation, I encourage you to go listen to that episode. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, I think it is hard for anyone who's, like, Anyone who's the only one in the room who's experienced X, yeah, it's hard to not feel isolated. And that's the beauty of what people like Heather and Nicole have talked about, sharing and being open, because that's, that's what, you know, gives people that support, solidarity, that understanding that they're not alone, that other people have experienced this, and they're not the oddball out, you know? Yeah, when you when you say your story out loud, I mean, almost always, I feel like someone else then can come forward and say, I me can too. relate to that. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. too. <laughs> <laughs> Without relating to that yeah. movement. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a way of I, identifying a new community, identifying a community of people who understand. Right, right, which is great. I mean, I don't know how I would have... Yeah, I think the, uh, going through a miscarriage was definitely up there as one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I just don't think, I mean, I guess I would have gotten through it, but I had, I, it was much easier to walk through that storm with support of other people who understood what I was going through. And speaking of, Mandy was the person who really 
got walked me through that storm. Um, wait, is it my turn or your turn? You can read Mandy's. Okay. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, a little backstory on Mandy. She lost her son at 22 weeks to incompetent cervix. Um, so she shared that she ordered a garden stone with his name and birthday on it. And she said that really helped her in so many ways. It gave me something tangible to give honor to him and acknowledge his life. I also started a YouTube channel, which is how we met, (laughs) to share my experience with incompetent cervix, recurrent miscarriage, and IVF. That helped the most because I heard from others that had gone through this too. I finally felt like I wasn't so alone in this process. It's so hard to lose a child. The pain never goes away. You just learn how to coexist with the pain over time. Just true. You just find a new normal. Um, but yeah, again, once again, she's talking about sharing her story, opening up. It's, yeah. it's amazing The you end up supporting other people and you get all this support back. It's truly a beautiful thing, even though it's so scary. I think I missed the YouTube channel kind of phase, I think, because I haven't I haven't really looked at or sought out and I know you used to have a YouTube or you still do have a YouTube yeah, channel. It's, it's out there. But I've I've never like, you know, sought out a community mm-hmm. on YouTube, but I feel like it's the same as Instagram, yeah. you know, and once you can speak your story out loud and then find that community, it's so nice. It's a game changer. Yeah, I think uh, when Mandy and Sarah and I were doing IVF was before Instagram was really what it is now. That seems like a long time ago. I know, it does. I know. But it really wasn't. It was only like four years ago. Um, I guess. And then, and they also like Facebook groups were not anything like they are today. But I so. think, I feel like Facebook as a whole was more popular then. Yeah, but you didn't have these, you didn't have tons of groups back no. then. Yeah, I think it was different. It was different. Pages You'd, were set up differently, and yeah. I think even, like, per, privacy was privacy different. Privacy was different. Yeah. Yeah, you had groups, but they weren't the same. I think the advent of Facebook groups, the way they are now, is, like, totally changed the game. I don't think I would do a, a YouTube channel anymore. <laughs> well, it's nice that they're private, <laughs> so you've you feel like you have, like, your own safe space to talk to people without, you know, necessarily your whole friend feed seeing what you're talking about. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the thing about sharing stuff about infertility. Why people don't is because they're scared of judgment or they don't want to be sharing things about their cervical mucus on the Internet with, like... The guy they went to high school with who's their Facebook friend, you know? <laughs> yeah. I Well, I'm way more comfortable sharing anything with anyone I know on Instagram than anything on Facebook. <laughs> I don't share – I don't even go on Facebook anymore. But it, it just – you get so many friends, and I don't even know very well half these people. I would feel so uncomfortable yeah. putting something out there like that. But – I, like, on Instagram, it's a more intimate community, you yeah, know? right. I mean, it just depends on who you're around. Yeah, and, and your comfortability, that's not a word, your comfort level. But the point that we're making is to, it's good to find a support group and open up and talk about this stuff. Yes. You know. Um, so. Courtney says, after this experience, I told myself not to wallow, not to woe. I had to keep going forward. 
I would think of all the other people in the world suffering from something I considered to be so much worse. Random violence, losing a child they'd raised, people overseas going through unimaginable terror. The list goes on. I told myself I could have it so much worse and to be grateful for all the good things I had. For a little bit, it helped me fake my way out of my black hole by qualifying my grief compared to others and making my experience seem small, but it was short-lived. Yeah. Yeah. You can only do that for so long. Um, I was just, and she says, I was just camouflaging my grief by trying to focus the grief on others. I was just pushing mine aside and not giving it the attention that I needed. And so ultimately I knew I had to allow myself to cry and talk about it whenever I needed to, no matter how long it took or how inconvenient it might be. Months later, I would still just start crying in the kitchen because I felt so upset at the memory of what happened to us. And comparing your awful experience to someone else's awful experience to try to make yours seem smaller or less worthwhile is pointless. So Courtney decided to educate herself even more on the topic of pregnancy loss. And she said, I... I talked to all my closest friends and chose to be completely candid and transparent about what occurred. As a result, I would hear so many stories of how this happened to someone else I knew or someone else's sister or this person's wife. It helps to feel less alone and to know people have felt a variation of your pain. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, what what I like about that is this idea that to just like honor your pain where it is yeah. and not like I've said before to never play the comparison game with infertility because someone always has it better and someone always has it worse. And just because someone has it better doesn't negate your pain. And just because someone has it worse doesn't mean the pain you're feeling isn't real. So I don't know. I just, I like that kind of like acknowledge your pain where you are. And I like, you know, the only way you, through it the only way out of that pain is to walk through it you just got to do it you can't just like yeah camouflage it and mask it by i mean it's so easy at first especially i mean i i think it's different for everyone but even after your first miscarriage if you think it's just a a one-time thing it's i feel like it's easy to try to push that under, you know, I'm okay, everything's mm-hmm. fine, and I'll just move on without actually acknowledging it. And then, you know, when it happens again, you're kind of hit in the face with it again, and you have to confront it. Yeah. So I think I think it's good that she finally was able to be completely candid and transparent. Right. That's huge. I was guilty of that. I was like, oh, let me just throw myself into work. That was what yeah. I did. I just... I literally told my boss... No, no, it's fine. I, can, I mean, thankfully, I, I work from home, so yeah. no one can see me sitting crying <laughs> at my computer. <laughs> but I mean, my my boss was like, "Stop working, go, you know, go yeah. home." And I was like, "No, I'm. I can push through this." And that was stupid. I shouldn't right. have. Right. You, I think it's like you want you want to do that because you don't want to face the pain. That's really what happening there it's a distraction yeah it's a distraction that you you want to have but it's like yeah I I miscarried over a weekend went to work the following Monday and it was miserable and I was just like I should not be here 
And I, I mean, had to put on the mask and do the whole thing and just, cause I didn't tell anyone at work. Nobody knew. So it, yeah. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even gone. I should have called in sick and had another day or two to cope, you know, but I was, I was so ready after that horror about, you know, horror filled weekend to like do something different and distract myself, you know? But then when you go to work, everything is so insignificant. Yeah. Like, this doesn't matter (laughs) compared to what you're going through. You know, and your mind is so distracted, you know. It's like, don't kid yourself. What do I care about this (laughs) report that's due? Oh, another spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Emily says she also had a recurrent pregnancy loss. And she says it's hard. Obviously, it's true. The moment you see a positive test, an entire lifetime with your child flashes before your eyes. All the dreams and hopes and years of infertility finally become worth it. And when it goes away just as quickly, I'm left feeling empty and numb. I've dried flowers that I received during one of my miscarriages to keep. I also love the idea of burying even some tissue that passes. I think doing anything to memorialize and acknowledge the pregnancy helps to legitimize that this was your baby. And even though it was lost early, you have every right to grieve and feel shitty about it. Absolutely. Again, that tangible thing. Yeah. yeah. And I like how she mentions even though it was lost early because mm-hmm. I feel like that's it's still something you can struggle with whether you were five weeks or eight weeks or 22 weeks. I know there's different levels of mm-hmm. grief you might feel, but yeah, it's still to you from the moment you get that positive test, you're pregnant. Right. And then for that to suddenly go away. Right. Or for someone to make you feel like, you know, well, at least you weren't that far along when you get right. comments like that, that, that delegitimize... Right. Like, You're, don't minimize yeah, my loss. Right. Yeah. Don't listen to, even if they mean well, which I don't know how you can mean well, but I mean, I think what people are saying with that is like, I think they're trying to say like, this would be much worse if you were further along. But again, it's just like, that's not helpful in this situation. That's yeah. It's not, it's not. Yeah. They try I feel like it's in people's nature to try to put a positive spin, spin on, on things, but in times like this you it makes just them feel better. Yeah. They yeah. feel like they're helping, but mm-hmm. what you really just want is someone to listen to you and be there for you while you grieve, not necessarily tell you at least it was only this. Yeah. Don't ever start a sentence with at least. Yeah. <laughs> And, and don't include only. Right. It was only <laughs> right. so-and-so. No onlys and no at least. <laughs> Banned from your vocabulary. Right. Uh, Alicia says, to commemorate my losses, I purchased two willow tree angels. They are featured prominently in my home, and I tell anyone who asks what they represent. One is holding a heart close to their chest. The other is releasing a butterfly. I specifically got the butterfly as I felt I needed to let go of some of my grief to be able to move forward and try again. Coping has been hard. I'm a therapist, so I, she put in quotes, know the skills. I know what I would tell people, but using them myself has been much harder than expected. Yeah. I could see that. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. I like the willow tree angels. 
Yeah, and I like the idea of a butterfly releasing to mm. sort of let go. Yeah, I do too. I love that. Speaking of butterflies, we have another story from Miriam about a butterfly. So Miriam sent this email to us, and it was... Miriam, I just cried and cried through it. I really did. It was so... Just the story is beautiful, so I want to share... I. I'm not going to share all of it, but I do want to share some of it with you guys. Uh, She says, In October of last year, Dan and I found out that our first FET had worked, and we couldn't have been more thrilled. The news came to us on my mother-in-law's birthday, so we surprised her with a book and a card from her future grandbaby. Needless to say, that was her favorite birthday gift that year. Thanks to PGS testing, we knew we were expecting a boy. We had already named him Max. We graduated from the RE after our first sonogram. Max measured in at seven weeks and six days and had a strong heartbeat. We were instantly in love. She goes back and then in the email she details how they couldn't find a heartbeat. So she finds out she's miscarrying. Then she says, the next day I was a cleaning freak. Dan and I took the day off to just be, but I couldn't just sit there and wallow, so I picked up the broom and I just started cleaning the whole house. While cleaning the kitchen, I noticed a bright orange and black butterfly in the garden by the windows. Dan took the mop out of my hand and told me to get some shoes and we would go take our pup Molly for a walk on the trail. The butterfly was waiting for us by the front door. We walked the path in silence, and that butterfly just kept popping up and flying around us all the way home. In my heart of hearts, that butterfly was Max, and he was letting us know that he was okay. And so she talks a little bit more about the rest of (laughs) kind of her experience going through the miscarriage. And then she um, ends it with by saying, I got an orange and black butterfly tattooed on her ribcage. She says, I'm not a butterfly kind of gal, but that beautiful butterfly that followed us was my sign of peace, a sign that I felt came from my son. I wanted that butterfly on me close to my heart. Max's due date was to be on June 14th, 2018. We went to dinner that night and had champagne toast in his honor. I lit a candle by his memory box and just wished him a happy heavenly birthday. Dan bought me a butterfly window charm and it hangs in the window above our bedroom back door. I smile when I look at it before bed and when I get up in the morning. He's always on my mind. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I did I I kept it together, but <laughs> Yeah. You see, I've got tears in my eyes too. It's just it it's such a sweet story and uh and and what a great way to remember him. I think she included a picture of the tattoo. I'm pretty sure she did. Um, I picture a monarch butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I picture too. Um, and I, it's just like, I don't know. The whole thing is just so sweet, but that she got this sign, you know, that was like, I'm okay, mom. It's okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I know, but (laughs) it's very sweet. I believe in signs. Yeah. I do too. I absolutely do. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know that that's what it is when it's happening, and you look back on it like that was a sign, you know. But 
I'm just, yeah. Thank you for sharing, Miriam. I'm going to stop because I'm going to start crying. Mm. I appreciate you, your beautiful story, sharing a beautiful story. Um, The last one, read the last one, Christine. So the last one from Alicia said, I'm terrified and excited about hearing this episode. I hope I'll learn some new ways to cope with the loss, but worry that people will think I should have let go more by now. My heart still breaks when I think of my miscarriages. No, I, I think everyone has their own timeline and it changes you. Yeah. You will never be the same person you were before this. No. So, you know, I, I don't like, you shouldn't have let go more by now, you know? Right. You've been 100% completely changed. Yeah. Yeah, and I I wanted to end with that one just because anyone who's listening that's gone through a miscarriage, I want them to hear what you just said, that there's no, like, there's no right or wrong way to to cope or to heal. I mean, maybe there's some wrong ways to cope, like all the wine. You know, that might not be the healthiest coping. Yeah, mechanism. but it's okay in the moment. <laughs> it's I okay am, in the moment. I'm going to be a big cheerleader for <laughs> oh, drink all the wine. We're about to share how we coped, and that was certainly at the top of my list. But I'm just saying there's not – yeah, there's no timeline. There's no, like, oh, it's been a year. I should be this Yeah, or no that. timeline. Right. And I think she – if I'm remembering correctly – had a miscarriage two years ago. And so she's still, because I'm not reading the whole post, but I think she did reference that. And she's saying that, like, some things that other people have said to her or, like, other ways that people have dealt with it, she's like, oh, I should be more. And I just, so I wanted to end with that since we shared so many stories. I wanted to just let everyone know, like, wherever you are, it's okay. And... You know, you you deal with it your own way, and whatever you do, it's okay. Yeah. If you're going through this now, hopefully some of this might give you ideas for how to honor your loss, but be on your own timeline and do what makes sense to you. Right. Yeah. And I think we should also say that if anyone's experiencing this now or you're heartbroken from it, we're with you. We've been there. We know how it feels, and we're we're really sorry. It sucks. What else can you say? It, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks so many balls. Infertility sucks. <laughs> it sucks. So I wanted to end by maybe us just sharing ways that we coped. Or what did you know? What did you what do? What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> I... I don't even, I don't think I've, I don't think I've done much. I didn't do anything until I started Infertility Illustrated, until I started drawing and sharing it. Mm-hmm. Because I my first miscarriage was what, three years ago now? It was October also, though, yeah. this month. And I just, I avoided friends with kids. I avoided seeing babies think we went to a pumpkin patch yeah and there was someone was setting up their baby at the pumpkin patch to take pictures and I was like nope we have to go I don't think I really did any of that but one of the things I want to do is I want to I want to get a tattoo at this point you know four years in so many failed cycles I, I want to do something to 
to honor this, to memorialize it, because it changes you 100%. I'm not yeah. the same person I was before I started this. So uh, between drawing, which has been a huge outlet, uh, and, you know, hopefully getting some sort of tattoo to memorialize it, that's that's what I want to do. I like it. Did you um, – I know you've done a lot of illustrations about – miscarriage on your well maybe not a lot but you've done a good a couple, amount I guess did you were they like therapeutic for you did you feel like yeah you know I was just I just remember how you feel and yeah it I think it helps to because you kind of your mind gets kind of sucked into the process of drawing so, you know, the, just the steps of it. And so that starts to kind of take your mind off of the sadness you were feeling before. And then in the end, when you have your finished product, you kind of feel that sigh of relief of, okay, I've, I've almost, and sort of like the, you know, the statue of someone releasing the butterfly, mm-hmm. you're, you're putting it out there, yeah. you're letting go. Yeah, it helps, like... A little bit of the scab gets closed yeah. over a little bit more. The wound gets, yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so what did you do? Well, I guess in the immediate aftermath, like I was saying, I, I did drink a lot of wine. Yeah. In fact, like, Bill and I walked over to the bar across the street. We were, I mean, we didn't, like, get <laughs> shit-faced or something, but we were just like, this sucks, let's go have a beer. Um. I watched a lot of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I hate that show. I hate that show so much. <laughs> Get off of this podcast right now. <laughs> oh my god. No, I needed I needed something mindless that wasn't too sad, mm-hmm. but also not too peppy or something. It fit the bill for me at the time. Um, <laughs> that was in the immediate aftermath. And then, you know, like we did a few things that actually memorialized it. Like, I have this beautiful Christmas ornament that I got. Oh, that's nice. So every Christmas, like, when I pull that one out and put it on the tree, I think about the baby. And Bill gave me some gifts that Christmas, like the necklace I was talking about earlier. Um, My YouTube channel was a big emotional outlet for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, when I, I purposely filmed the day I found out, and, I mean, I have watched that. I haven't watched it recently, but I have watched it. And I'm glad that it's out there. Or I'm, I'm glad that I recorded it and can always go back. Like, I won't ever forget how I felt because I put it out there. You know, like I was saying, sometimes that feelings do fade. Like you were saying, like, I don't even remember when it happened. Um, but I, I, I've got it in posterity <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but it felt good to put it out there, even though it was scary. And I got so much support back, like we were talking about. Um, I love the Christmas ornament. Yeah, that's a really. I'm going. I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's a. It's like an angel. It's it's a little bit abstract, but I mean, I know you know. I saw it in a store. I was shopping, you know, like maybe a month after it had happened, and it was one of those like I saw it. And it stopped me in my tracks and, like, had to go and cry. And I was like, okay, well, I need to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, because it's I... It, like, speaks to you like that. It, right. And it 
and in, I don't know if you had this experience, but I would just have moments that would catch me off guard where you think you're doing okay and then something will just take the, just completely take your breath away um, and just knock you on your feet regarding miscarriage or loss or in some way. And so, and I don't even know why that happened at that moment, but it did. So because it evoked that kind of a strong feeling for me, I was like, okay, that's what I, I need to, that. I guess I need that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I'd say the last thing that I did, which might be a little bit like, I don't know, at the risk of sounding weird. I'll cut this if this sounds weird to you. <laughs> um, but to be perfectly honest, and maybe this is like TMI or morbid, I don't know. I Let's put it out there. Yeah, no, I had I had such a hard time like coping with like the physical loss of the baby that I basically flushed down the toilet. I really had a hard time with it. And I know I'm not the only one, but it, this does not get talked about. But it's like, you, to me, it was a person that I loved. And then I just feel like I would have nightmares and, like, just think about, like, I, I wanted something to bury. Like, I wanted I wanted flesh and bones that I could, like, put to rest kind of thing. And I didn't, I didn't get that. And, and I wasn't expecting that. Like, you hear about other people talk about miscarriage and you never hear them say something specific like that and so I was like am I a weirdo for saying for feeling like this I don't know but it really bothered me for a long time and actually one of the ways I coped with it was through a random song (laughs) I'm gonna play it when we bump out I'm gonna play the song. song so it's by a folk band called families and they So one of the things they do is I'll take like really weird, random, obscure, like biblical stories, characters, and they will sing a song about them. And this song was about this woman named Ritzba, who the the story isn't about miscarriage at all, but her sons die. So it is about death of a child. And her sons die and basically they get kind of thrown out into the wilderness, the desert. And she's so heartbroken and distraught at losing her children. And she's so, she wants to bury them. And she, (laughs) she sits by them and guards them from the beasts of the air and land from attacking them because she like, she, she's. They, they're her children. She loves them. She wants to put them. She wants to be able to put them to rest. So she, there's a line in the song that says, "I won't let the birds take your bones. You deserve Gosh. to be laid down." I know it's getting dark and morbid, but I mean, I feel it's like sad. It is sad, and but it really helped me kind of like, I don't know. It helped me cope with that feeling that I was having to just kind of channel. Oh, that's what it is. I just wanted to be able to put this baby to rest, that kind of thing. So it helped me in that sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I know that's make, like maybe, I don't know if other people have felt that way, but... I think 
other people must have a song or something yeah. that they think of. I need to I need to hear the song that you're talking <laughs> about. I really want to hear this sounds like an intense story that I don't know, but Yeah. I yeah, I think I'm sure everyone has some sort of song or a musician right. that kind of speaks to them. I think music is a great thing for lots I mean Everybody loves music, right? And everybody can find a song that, like I said, any anyone else could have listened to that and that, and it wouldn't have spoken to them that way. <laughs> but for me, at that time, in that moment, that helped me process that grief I was having. Yeah. And so, which is, I mean, I'm biased because I'm a musician, but that's the power of music, <laughs> right there, people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally have a sad songs playlist of just but I mean sometimes you need it you do of you do just songs that kind of set the mood yeah. you're feeling sad you just have to listen to it music and fur babies and wine and your best friends are the best therapy in the world right yes <laughs> yeah thank god for my dog yeah she's got me through a lot yeah so once again, uh, thanks to everyone who shared all your comments um, and for your bravery sharing, and that was great. And if you're going through a miscarriage, like we said, we're with you. Um, we support you. And if you do need some more support, Christine, tell everyone what they can do. Well, for starters, um, there's Resolve, and they have a ton of resources for infertility support groups in your area, and also resources such as therapists um, and psychologists and whatnot. And then if you want to talk to your friends, which is what I basically consider the Infertile Mafia, you should join their closed Facebook group called the Infertile Mafia or follow them on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. And feel free to send, I say us, but really them, an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear us talk more about eggs and balls and stuff. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Don't forget to light a candle on October 15th. Even if you haven't had a miscarriage, think about everyone that maybe is going through something and if you have i'll be lighting a candle and we'll be thinking about all of you and send pictures put them in the post the pictures in the uh, facebook group yeah all the candles in the facebook group that would be great on october 15th that would be really cool that would be super cool a virtual digital yeah light what, what was it called Walker. uh it was called we have, have to scroll I forgot it <laughs> international wave of light. We'll have a wave of light through the Infertile Mafia. I like it. <laughs> okay, close this out, Christine. Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. But I won't let the birds take your bones. I won't let the birds take your bones.